Episode 149 of Tactical Crouch. Kick Tripod here with Yiska and Volamel. Only two days. We're actually doing a two-day week of shows. So uh, good for us. Proud of, proud of all of us for finally having the time to do a second and or third show uh, in a week. That's good for us. Uh, big thank you to everybody who's here hanging out with us at twitch.tv slash kicktripod. We do record live on Twitch every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Again, twitch.tv slash kicktripod is where you can go to find that out. Uh, otherwise, search for uh, Tactical Crouch anywhere, including youtube.com slash tactical crouch. And of course, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, patron producers. Sorry, I just remembered that we had a new patron producer and I forgot oh, to add new their producer. name. Pog. I hope it's good. Uh, it was somebody who upped their pledge. Oh, thank you, nice. somebody. So here's Whoever what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have yeah. uh, Joe, I'm going to have you go through the patron producers and thank them while I make sure yeah. I get the name and then we'll do a little thing. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Our news is brought to you by these wonderful people. Refined Bean, Friday Yo Pin, Battle Cry Blotion, Rex Saint, Audio Compass, Kasha 67, Chara, Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter Tain, Fabled Steven, Roger B. Owen, Chris R34444, Horbjorn, I listen to this podcast while whilst on the toilet and in the shower, thinking of Yiska, Peace Camper, and Shrek 2 on DVD. Not VHS, though. Might I add, thank you for the support. And uh, yeah, if you can't necessarily support COVID Got You Pinched, um, you can always go on iTunes and leave that five-star review. Help us uh, with the discoverability and all that stuff. And yeah, hello, chat. Welcome to 149. Kind of, kind of a big number. Kind of crazy. Really is, yeah. Like, um, did did you find it, John? Leave me alone. He can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> he can't hear you. I mean, but while he's figuring that out, how's how's how have you been? How are things? Uh, I got reporting day, thus stress, oh, true. but true. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Pretty happy uh, with what we're able to put out today. So, all right, okay. I'm back. So sorry. So we do have two brand new patron producers this week. Woo! And Ooh. we had, of course, Shrek Two on DVD, brand new as well from last episode. Sir Girthalot, brand new patron producer. Woo! Now that's a name. And uh, they've made the rounds in chat many a times. Bronze Bot Boohow. Coming in here. It's a new patron producer as well. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Again, that's patreon.com slash tactical crouch if you want to do that. All right. Uh, let's talk. Let's, let's listen to Yiska cry and whine a little bit more about getting to write about video games for a living. Go ahead, Yiska. <laughs> no, no, all good. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a good time overall. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit stressful, right? You don't want to miss. Yeah. You want to be thorough. You want to be productive bring value all that good jazz right 
and sure that means i had 75 minutes of workout according to her fitbit today so yep getting, cortisol getting that. levels are probably <laughs> yeah through the roof uh, but otherwise all good like i'm get, i'm getting calmer like i'm already only at uh 105 beats per minute uh, for over 3 hours not 130 140 mm. so we're getting used to it it's all good it's good that's the body's good. tempering yep do you have a lava lamp back there i do where do you see a lava lamp the the large dildo shaped thing back there. It's even got the little red nip on top. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess you know so. how long I have had that thing since military service. Huh. So from last week. <laughs> no, like must be like fourteen years, thirteen years, something like that. Oh wow. Twelve. You're, you yeah. just never use it. You just, you just have it. Sometimes I use it. Sometimes it's as atmospheric, but otherwise it's ma- mainly cringy, which is why I never showed you it. But now I... <laughs> I mean, you've always shown us that you've just never pointed it out. So You know what the game. best part is? I, I feel like people think I'm prepared for Christmas, even though these things here, uh-huh. Christmas um, decoration, right? Yeah. That's from last year. <laughs> you didn't have to get out. <laughs> no, I took it down. Someone gifted it to me uh, uh-huh. for for like something that I did, and I never removed it. I thought that was such a nice gesture. I'm I'm keeping it. I'm trying to figure out what it is, but it's kind of indiscernible from it's part, it's but. like a vase that um has like sand in it and a little heart that's oh, cute. ironically black, but you know, I forgot if it was red in the beginning. <laughs> very interesting oh, well we John All right. what'd you do <laughs> oh man yep. there it is yeah. there it is oh Jesus Christ guys <laughs> right okay so you cracked Anyways. it open we, we can um, swear nice dildo isn't a swear that's not a cuss don't say a cuss. All right, let's get to Overwatch. Jesus. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's. Jeez, uh, we've got we've got a lot of news. We're gonna go through these pretty quick because we've got a few topics that we want to actually spend more time on. Um, right. So let's uh, let's do that, and let's start with one of the big ones, and that would be Erster to the Shanghai Dragons. Nice. Yeah. Kind of definitely uh you know, I hear some quacking going on, but right. Value move? Good? Eh? It, it's it's a little weird. I don't understand. Why do you need to hyperflex DPS when you're the uh, you the MVP? And lip as well. Yeah. Like I don't I don't quite get it. Um yeah. But I yeah, I mean, they did lose Ding and DM, so I suppose 100%. that makes sense. And, and again, it kind of goes back to the idea that, you know, the Asian teams have a little bit more to kind of like toss around. I wouldn't be surprised if Shanghai makes some more signings. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a good move. It's just like, OK, what are we going to do with Erster? Where does he fit within Moon's grand plan? 
Um, and and what does this team really look like in 2021? Good, but kind of question. Like, where are we going? Yeah, we going shopping. Apparently, I'm I'm kind it's of Black excited. Friday, man. If it's on sale, it's on sale. You just buy it. Yeah, yeah. True. It doesn't matter if you need it. You just buy it. Uh, that's also self care in in an essence. But yeah, like. I mean, if you're if you're a moon that just hasn't won championship, you maybe just buy yourself a known quantity, an Ursa, mm -hmm. and like the. I think I'm kind of excited what this might mean, because I feel like we haven't seen the best of Ursa in a hot minute. Yeah. Um. So that seems like a confidence move. Uh. From from Moon. And I hope he knows how to use Ursta. And if that happens, then he can be a pretty good up, upgrade. Uh, not upgrade, but like, it depends. Like, let's say, and I'm not sure. I don't have that kind of access to China. But let's say if you are part of the teams that have to downsize this season and you have to let go of Demon Ding, mm -hmm. then you probably aren't going to bring in two DPS on top of that. And therefore, Ursta is a fine choice because he covers both, both uh, ranges. And while there is overlap, of course, there's overlap between two Hyperflex DPS players. Yeah, of course. It's, or it's three. kind of inevitable. So, yeah, not that. I, I'm surprised, most definitely. Mm -hmm. I'm not mad at that, though. No, not at all. It's, it's one of those moves that your eyes go oh very cool like super interesting and then your brain starts to wonder like okay like is this like a justice move which we'll we'll dive more into later um where you're trying to maybe focus somebody in one direction and less in the other is this you know broadening the horizons to be able to do that it, it's it's interesting i i want to see i'd love to actually pick moon's brain on this and and really kind of like Okay, where and why, and is this really just because you've worked with him before? I'm I'm interested to see what Shanghai looks like because again, I still think they need a t just a few more. Give me like one more player at flex support, and I think you're. I think we're finished with that, but yeah, yeah. Well, and this is a team. So last year they ran twelve. Um. We don't know what they're going to be running this year as far as size goes, right? But you're going to have redundancy and overlap if they're going to be running 10 to 12 players again this year, right? Mm -hmm. It makes sense. I think the, the surprising thing, right, is that um, I think that there's a lot of... I, I assume that there's a lot of lower-level teams that would give him an obvious starting kind of role for Erster yeah. that, you know, on this one, it's very much obvious that there's going to be some sort of rotation going on based on the meta yep. and who's playing well and whatever moon decides i guess could be one of those like what's the best ursters looking at all the offers on the table and looking at what's the best course of action if he wants to win like if he's mm -hmm. really going for a ring mm -hmm. is shanghai the best you know offer he has on the table if so then maybe he's okay with you know having that rotation if mm -hmm. winning is the end goal, um, which I wouldn't be surprised if it was a lot of, a lot yeah. of players are like that. I think like we, we genuinely need to wait uh, how Russ's shape up. If there's any more signings and whatnot, mm -hmm. 
Um, I think, I think a lot of people will be. It the, the next season will be won by very different metrics than this season. Um, just by due to the uh, decreased roster size, um, while many other things uh, appear to not change. So I'm a little bit concerned for that uh, that part, but yeah, we'll we'll eventually be able to talk about that for sure. All right, Joe made us promise not to spend too long on each of these right. uh, signings. I mean, so there's just so much to go. So hammer him, yeah. Let's hammer him through. We're gonna go to the next one. That's the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, they uh, bring back Poco and EQL. Mm. Wait, have right? they announced that? Yeah, both are out. Oh, I missed EQO resigning. Yep. Oh, that's an hour ago. Well, that explains it. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is the guy who's yeah. bringing you leaks. Live by the reactions. Way. Yeah. No, I knew that it would happen. I just he didn't, knew even, it was, know. He didn't even know. He wasn't even sure who EQO was. <laughs> I no. think people are going to look at this as like, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. Boo. We don't like this. I think this is still going to land Philly like a top five spot, like for sure. If EQOs are only, I guess, are we talking about EQO or Poco? I think both. Just like this, this, I think with the departure of people like Fury and Ivy and the the re-signing and or um, contract extension of Poco and EQO, um, I think people like just with their gut, think the former is more damaging than the, the latter builds them back up, if that makes sense. And I don't think that that's the case. I think people really sleep on EQO. I don't think he's had much in the much time in the sunlight in the last year. And I know that can kind of seem crazy if you only watched the summer showdown or what was it? Was it the summer showdown? I think it was. Um, but yeah, doesn't doesn't see a ton or didn't see a ton of playtime. Um, and Poco's always been an absolute just stud at flex tank i think this team's going to be very very good still and is still front running top five for me so you think that eqo and poco are likely to be the starting flex dps and tanks and you still think that this is a top five team oh yeah 100 percent, without a doubt mm. no doubt in my mind mm. yeah i don't um, know they're fr- they're fringe for me mm-hmm they're fringe. They're yeah, definitely I mean, on the low end of that. I think that we haven't seen we haven't seen enough consistent EQO. I mean, haven't seen him consistently. Not that EQO has necessarily right. been inconsistent, but that we haven't seen him play consistently enough throughout the entirety of a season. Sure. Uh, same with Poco, um, to a lesser extent, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and primarily like in that like diva role, right? Mm. Uh, so I don't know, man. This I see four out of these six spots being absolutely killer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I I think Poco's definitely in contention for like a best Western flex tank. Is he really punching up in terms of like global rankings on that? And I hate like just ranking everything right now, but. Mm-hmm. He doesn't jump off the page when you expand the scope, but I think for Philly, I don't think you need a ton of people that just like slap. I don't think you need a bunch of all-stars. I think you need people that work within this system 
it seems like 9k um likes what they they offer and i i not only trust them mm-hmm. or trust him in his coaching ability but i also like these players i think they're good maybe not great but just good. i'm gonna be honest though i'm kind of hoping that these are just kind of depth players and that we see at least one additional signing in either Could one be. of those roles could be i mean if there is a western team that has the the capital to be able to do so i would imagine it's probably philly um so it's it's definitely possible that that that, that option's still on the table that they can really kind of add the depth there i mean Bring let's look i on. mean rascal still not signed ivy sure. nero shockwave nice i mean fury gargoyle uh bernard like there are there are yep. still, uh, like, there There's is still options. depth there. Yep. I mean, even There's all the way down to, like, table. I know you're going to hate it, but, like, Hotba, dude, all the way down there. Yeah. Like, oh! Hold on, you didn't put this in here. What? And, and we need to talk about this. Oh. It's, it's on the notes, I think, if... What is... I'm, are we talking great? Oh, it is there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Eric put it there. Thank you, Eric. Uh, let's let's finish up on Philly first, and then we can. I mean, I think I got my piece out, Yeska. Um, right. I think Philly needs to be judged against the competition they will face, and boys sure. and girls and others. Ju- like we're in for a party next next season. Small, like smaller. Smaller teams means more banger teams. Very, very easy. I think the way things are shaping up, there's probably five teams that are as good as Philly and probably only, or six teams, with only the shock, I think, being expected to be better. Everyone else, like there's there's a bunch of banger teams. Many we know already know about. We know about Glads. We know about um Can't forget our favorites about the Dallas Fuel now. Dallas Fuel, definitely. Yeah. Um Yo, I'm saying s- seven names and I ca- can't even think of them. Um <laughs> I think there's a possibility that Toronto will be great, Houston has the potential, justice. We we're going to talk about oh, yeah. it. Um, even though that's probably uh, a little bit weaker than Philly. Um, who else am I? Th- Florida. Um, there's a, there's a lot of like teams I'm, that could be good. Yeah. I think that that kind of definitely, you know, carves a hole in that seven team list, even though, you know, then there's the Asia region, which who knows what's going on with that. Like there's there's a lot of good teams coming up, like you're saying it really kind of comes down to the the shrinking of the roster and which kind of contrasts the the worries coming into the season that like oh maybe we'd see too much budget or we'd we wouldn't see a ton of good teams or that delta would be really big it doesn't seem like that's the case at all it seems like budgets have stabilized as well as they could have and you know the the big worry in the offseason might be that there's talent left on the table that we'd like to see, which um, yeah, is a kind of a weird problem to have. Inevitable. No, it's, yeah. it's almost inevitable. Okay. We're juicing. Um, cool. Got some juice. I think there's a real... 
possibility okay. that we are in currently in the first stage of roster building. Meaning, okay. a lot of teams will be seven to eight players. Yeah. Also teams you don't expect to only have that, that many. And then, and that's something that is rumored, we're going to have a preseason. And after the preseason, once then you get more teams signings. find out, okay, we're actually not as good as we thought we would be, then I think there's a possibility for another, um, for another wave to come in, possibly. Mm. I've, I don't know if, if then you can sort of activate another um, budget stuff, okay. especially depending on how much you already have uh, invested. But that's, that's the hope for, for the teams that they can course correct. Because sure. straight up, there ain't no, uh, like, not enough spots left for all these uh, yeah. amazing players. Like, there, there just isn't, if those are the constrictions. Uh, restrictions, now, to, your, so. to your point, though, like, we do have to remember that a lot of these new contracts do have the clause that the, you know, they can just part ways with the player at any point, if I'm understanding that correctly. Is that... Makes so, sense? Uh, is that I like, mean, okay. You can track negotiate that out of your contract, right? Okay, fair. So players have the ability to not have that in their contract and therefore not have the uh the, the this 30 a day rule and or whatever. Or how long class. Class. <laughs> yeah. So it's um it's a little bit more yeah, and because we don't have access to them, we actually don't know what's happening. Right. Which that's a that's a level of volatility I think that we didn't have before, and that kind of is probably anticlimactic for uh, for fans. We'll see how that goes. Mm. Um, I think generally teams will not, you know, just be revolving doors though, because sure. like synergy is too important and mm. takes too long to build up. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think that's that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I think it'll probably be triggered at least once or twice this season though I th I, i'd be surprised if majority of the league negotiated that out of their contracts and i wouldn't be shocked to see somebody just like drop just like no yeah. no kind of definitely warrant in the back end but in the public's eye it's just like whoa that guy's good why did we drop him that's weird i think that'll probably definitely happen but neither here nor All there right. John, tell us about gravy. No, 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 no. We got it. We're gonna keep going. We've got more of okay. these things to talk about. Uh, probably <laughs> we should probably go to uh, the London Spitfire next because there's a few things that have changed here. Uh, yep. Sanguinar and Burnar are out, and yes. uh, Reprise and Commander X coming in uh, on the coaching staff. Reprise in the head coach role. Uh, Commander X in the assistant coaching role. So good thing. Uh, down to Glister and Fuse on the. Uh, confirmed uh, 2021 or not confirmed I will say yeah. but I will say that are technically still under an existing contract uh, for the 2021 season right it right. seems like they couldn't come to an agreement with Sanguinar and Bernar at least trade them in some facet um, that was the kind of theory that was I mean, I also kind of bought into is that they were kind of keeping them around till November 13th, seeing, you know, what offers they were getting, you know, fielding all possibilities um, to obviously try and find the player's new home and, you know, uh, get some value. 
out of them. Uh, doesn't seem like these two necessarily made the cut, but the other two still might be on the table, which is kind of interesting. Okay. And reprising Commander X, all all good things. Reprise obviously coming from uh, a pretty strong stint on the Valiant, and Commander X being uh, a big portion of why the Hurricane are as good as they are. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, good things. I like it. Yeah, I, I feel like as um, as we see more of the signings, we'll have more to say here. These are really impactful signings, and we probably should spend a lot of time on it, but I think it makes more sense to wait until we at least start to see a little bit more about the direction yep. that this organization is going. Nuki has talked to us about mm-hmm. uh, the direction of London Spitfire. Go back, watch a couple episodes ago when Nuki was on the show, talk about the direction, talk about some of the unique challenges and uh, that was before there were uh, was a coaching staff announced. So um, let's give it a little time, but yep. we will definitely spend a ton of time on London Spitfire. London will get their time. The one thing I will say, last thing on London, if you want to look real smart in front of your friends, look at where Reprise is coached before, or look at where Commander X is coached before. I don't think I need to spell this out. I feel like you do, though. I mean, that'll probably tell you where they're looking in terms of players. Oh, you can you can come up to your conclusions from that point. I mean, one of them, it kind of makes a whole lot of sense being, you know, an assistant coach to an academy team that's right under them. That makes a whole lot of sense. But I think what people aren't looking at is where Reprise is coming from and his past, the players that he's worked with, maybe seeing that if they can bring some of those players over. I'd uh, I'd I'd start there. OK. All right, we'll we'll leave it at that for now. Um, and let's, let's talk about the Hangzhou spark really quick. Uh, Taco Yaki and MCD to spark. Two, those those are the two underrated pickups. I think. Interesting. How valuable they are right now. One, a little bit more so than the other, but I, I really wonder, and this is something that I do plan or want to dive into a little bit more when there isn't other pressing issues to kind of talk about is how how much value we're actually putting towards depth going into 2021 is that something we appreciate is that something we're weighing highly if so i think spark killed it with takoyaki um if not what does this mean are they worried about gush at all i don't know that's on its face, it doesn't seem like Takoyaki would ever start, at least in my summation. Um, maybe for specialist picks, and maybe you divide the main tank roll up a little bit. Um, it's not that Takoyaki can't play and probably deserves a spot in the league, um, but is is a little weird. Whereas MCD, obviously, the, the upgrade to Bebe, I think is a great player, is going to do uh, the spark some, some justice. Does this kind of say anything about Coldest? I've always viewed Coldest in like a very specialist kind of role while he was good domestically on other picks. I just don't know if that's going to hold up in the grand scheme of things. And I think he'll probably be the rotational flex support and you'll probably see MCD start. Um, I think they're good picks overall. Yeah, solid. Uh, Last one before I can go on my rant. Um, (laughs) uh, Toronto Defiant have signed Aztec. Uh, That was not long ago, right? I think uh, just a couple of days ago. Yeah. So um, we're down to Logic's Beast and Aztec. 
it's a little weird, but I'm not mad at it. I think Aztec is another good player. Another one of the, the better flex supports coming out of South Korea uh, this season. And yeah, it, it's a good start for building out Toronto. I'm still like, again, we'll probably spend some time on Toronto once we get a little bit more information on them. But um, with KDG and, you know, what have you. But yeah, it's it's a good pick. I just need to see the rest of the team and, and what this system really looks like before can dive too far into it. Yeah, I think Aztec generally was pretty high regarded as, as in terms of like um, flex support pickup. I know that the people on our spreadsheet had Adam as the second most desirable flex support this season. Of course, like keep in mind, our uh, evaluations were a little bit outdated in the sense that a couple of those agents that became free agents weren't actually on the list by the time we, we started doing right. that. It's just a general um, point. But yeah, I think this is a really, really good pickup. Um, it's hard to find someone to compare him to, but I would say like a tier point 1.5 flex uh, mm -hmm. support is fair to say. Yep. Like not 100%. like a violet, but like no. whatever half tiers below that. Good, not great. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Do Toronto proud. All right. Are we ready? Get him. Let's go. Let the dog off the chain. So I have recently learned that no Overwatch League team has decided to sign McGravy, and instead McGravy has been signed to Revival. Yep. I... <laughs> What the f*** are you doing, Overwatch League teams? This is a dude that some of you... There are so... I tweeted this. I said there are too many teams who have worse players and way worse marketing to not sign McGravy. McGravy is just a free marketing machine for you Overwatch League teams who don't understand or are unwilling to invest in marketing. Like, I, I'm so sorry. I, this, it just doesn't make any sense to me. You, you obviously signed McGravy to a slot here. Uh, you put him on the squad. There's, I think I, I checked it out. He's got 20,000 followers, which isn't huge, but it's kind of larger in the Overwatch community. There oh, are some sure. Overwatch League teams right now that only have 60,000 Twitter followers. They right. don't, they aren't succeeding at brand building. And you put a player like McGravy there to kind of get your shit together for a moment and build that a little bit more. If I have invested $20 million into an Overwatch League team, and I have 60,000 followers. Bro, I'm sorry. Like, that's just not okay. McGravy is an easy, an obvious option to do that. And dude can play. Play yeah, well enough anyway. Player. Dude can not play well enough. And that is where I just, like, this blows my mind. That there are teams in the Overwatch League without enough self-awareness to know that they need a player like McGravy on their team. Let me ask this. So here's the problem, right? Let me let me set the stage this way. We're in a scarcity era of uh, Overwatch League, right? Like everyone's playing, like has very tiny rosters in comparison to before. Mm -hmm. You can assume the budgets resemble that. Do you mm -hmm. think someone like McGravy pays for himself? Yeah. Despite despite whatever he brings, because I think. I think a lot of the Overwatch League coaches probably disagree on the skill level. Uh, and that's where the disagreement comes from. 
Oh, for sure. I think this is not a, a sign of, oh, we're going to win the league by signing McGravy. I think this is the scarcity of resources. And because of that, we need to work on the base. We need to work on the content, the branding, like what John's saying. And I think that that is a, a clear path you could go through. I think we're coming to a weird conundrum with the Overwatch League where people are probably going to start settling on these smaller kind of conjoined rosters and there's going to be talent left on the table. And it's like, okay, do we need another team? Do we need an expansion team? Is that something that's even feasible business wise? Because there is Western talent. There are Western options. And we're seeing this with like teams like London, teams like Paris, that you can go Western and still be competitive, maybe not the best, but be marketable, have that business acumen and maybe plan for a title in the future. I think that that's definitely on the table and that's something that McGravy could be the, the spearhead for. I, I, I tend to agree with John here. I think if a team was interested in going Western and um, weren't necessarily hell-bent on winning, um, or, or performing extremely well or toppling the shock. Um, I think McGravy does that job and does it really, really well. It's, he's not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's, I think he had a great season last year on top of being, you know, uh, an award winning, you know, flex tank for his, his, you know, extracurricular activities. I, I, I really do think that he not only deserves it, but is good enough for it. Do you think McGravy is making more with revival than league minimum? No, no way. Not a chance. Right. Like, I can't. So it's either he wasn't offered a contract in which I put it on the, uh, I put it, the, the onus on the franchises to, they're looking yeah. at this far too uh, one-dimensionally. And I would agree with I that. think that that's really asinine honestly i think it's the dumbest thing i think it's i think it's no i think it's asinine i think it's actually no, I, I, throwing and, i agree with you go ahead go ahead um no i, I lost my train of thought now go ahead i agree brand with throwing you. is a great term though i'm I, i'm already a fan of of that term it's a brand I throw. <laughs> there's not enough <laughs> buy-in to go western in their minds and like the org's minds like for whatever reason and that's not to say that you couldn't put McGravy on a mixed roster for whatever reason, right? Like that, that obviously can be a case as well. Um, I think people are like really gun shy with this idea that like you can build a good team, but not a great team. And like, that's okay. Like in, in that permeates from the community up into it. It feels like even the management on some of these orgs where it's just like, if we're not winning, we're losing. It's just like, that's, that's not how kind of business works either. Because you did pay 20 million. That money needs to get kind of recuperated somehow. So we all can't win. You're paying these players top dollar. You're digging yourself a deeper hole. When does the buck stop? When does that kind of paradigm shift? Um, I, I agree with you. It's just we need teams to kind of shift that direction. And they don't seem to want to. It yeah. just it just doesn't make sense when you're when you're building your yeah. roster for depth when you're building your roster to and I'm already like there's somebody in chat who's saying like build a marketing for social media and nobody thinks that uh, or everyone seems to think that he's not amazing number one no one said he's amazing and amazing is a super like relative term 
Mm -hmm. uh, is he amazing? On, would he be amazing on some of these low-tier teams? I actually think he would be really good for some of these lower-tier teams who are actually going to inevitably sign worse uh, flex tanks. Yep. There are going to be worse flex tanks in the Overwatch League than McGravy. Maybe. Um, I think one problem is also the teams that might are European. And I'm not sure if you want to bring I think there uh, are I think there are definitely Western and uh, North American teams in particular, two off the top of my head that I, I give the side to. Same Adam. I look at Boston and I look at Vancouver. Obviously haven't made moves yet. Not super big on their their moves in the past though. Right. Yeah. Okay, that those are fan, fan names, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's just on that's just purely based on if we only factor skill into it. Which, yeah. let's be honest, budget and marketability also factor into that. Once yes. you all of a sudden say, like, McGravy is probably a close to league minimum player that you sign. Mm -hmm. Eddie's going to bring you way more than that in marketability alone. Your argument that he's not amazing so he doesn't fit onto a team, honestly, yeah. uh, is, is <laughs> completely invalidated, basically. There's I think this opens up such a big discussion on, like, what it means to run a team. Because we have to remember and the community kind of has to be like reminded that not everybody's going to win. Not everybody's going to make playoffs. So with what you have, what are you actually going to do? When you look at some of the, the Canadian teams that have made comments in the past, you know, like trying to build like a local roster, it's like, okay, that's the kind of mentality that they're approaching this with where it's, we know what we have. We know we can't compete. So how do we build a base for the future to be able to do so at a later date or to be able to build up, you know, a fan base that can support us to be able to give us the resources to be able to do so at a later date. That's the kind of mentality that I think. And it, and it kind of sucks. It's kind of bittersweet to say that about a player that has spent years of his life trying to grind at this game, has switched roles, looked great on Tracer back in the day. Shout outs to, to you know, uh, team in vision. Um, <laughs> Yeah. But it's 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 kind of disappointing. It, I really do believe if there was, and I I, I caution this, um, but that my heart kind of would like to see expansion teams step in. I hope that money is smart. I hope that money is not just another cash grab. But there is there's too. I think by the end of this offseason, there's going to be too many talented players that are, are not playing that either will leave or be disenfranchised and leave at a later date. Um, it, it's just kind of unfortunate. It's, it's just bittersweet. It's just the economics of it just don't make any sense. Yeah. Not I'd saying agree. you need to sign him to, as a starter. Not saying I think he that could be a starter. Though. Not saying that he needs to be the best off tank even available. Sure. But it's like, you know, anybody who's played a sports game, right? You have like this one aggregate number after you have all these aggregated stats, right? And mm -hmm. those other aggregated stats, I think, put McGravy, and I'm not talking about gameplay stats necessarily. Uh, He's put the McGravy uh, significantly higher uh, than just where you would place him based on um, like a starting off tank role. So yeah. that, that's all kind of we're saying here. I think it's a dumb decision. Um, I'm not saying that Valiant are dumb for letting him go, for letting him go. I think the other teams are dumb for not picking it up. I will say I do like Valiant's coaching staff. Do not get me wrong. 
I'm very confused on on that move in particular, where it seemed like they were very happy with each other. And then McGravy's gone. And bear in mind, Gig went to the same spot too, though, right? So Gig also is going to Revival. I'm sorry. I think we're on completely different planes in evaluating McGravy as a player. If you guys think that. Think what? That Valiant is losing out. I didn't, it's not I didn't that they're that. losing out. I, first of it's, all, I, I specifically did not say that. I say yeah. I'm not disagreeing with the Valiant releasing him. I think it's dumb that the other teams out there all gave him a pass. It yeah, had nothing to, to do with a, them losing team. out. It was more, it seemed like a good fit. Seemed like they kind of in, not enjoyed each other's company. It seems very vapid, but it seemed like a good fit for both you know where their budget was maybe the budget increased who knows um it, it was not a sign it was not a, a departure i was expecting in this offseason i'll put it like that yeah i don't know uh, i i think i have gravy quite a bit lower as an individual player um to the sure. point where the only thing lifting him in, in overwatch league uh is is the brand I think we got to realize that Gabushi is out there, that Mecco is out there, that Fury is yes. out there. I there fine, are players I'm fine you can plug with putting play. him as yeah. a fringe player. I'm fine with putting him there. I think his other intangibles put him over the top. I, I would tend yeah. to agree. Maybe I'm putting too much stock into that, though. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say. A lot of the narrative that I felt from McGravy, from the Valiant was, you know, this leadership or this this ability to kind of, you know, be a, a field general in that way. Um, and I think that that definitely makes up for any kind of in, not makes up for fully, but can gives you or, or give you something to build around for the future. And it seemed like that was at least in my summation where the Valiant were headed. You know, the story was there. He, he worked up through the, the open trials and, and had to open trial and did well. And they seemed to, I don't know. It, it was just kind of surprising to me. Um, if they land a better off tank, great. The nope. thing is, John, you run an open doors with me when you say that the Overwatch League needs to find a mechanism by which we hold the marketable players because we have been awful at this. These guys run away from us and become bigger brands. I just think teams. building marketable brands, period. I don't even think it's about holding yeah. marketable players, but that's a key part in building a marketable brand. Mm. And so far, there's quite a few teams who suck at it. Oh, for sure. Right. They're completely incompetent at it. And that's really frustrating, knowing that uh, the, the, the effort for somebody with expertise to build some of these brands, um, and I'm not pointing out anybody in particular, I'm not saying the Valiant haven't done this or anything else, uh, mm. but but it's, it is not becoming of a brand worth $20 million uh, minimum, a, a brand that invested $20 million. And right. it just, it that is where for me, I think that, oh my God, you guys need to shut up right now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I just like my wrist is like bing bing. Um, mm-hmm. It's just there's there's a disconnect there, and uh, for everybody in chat, it was like there are better off tanks out there. Uh, we we now know there are there's plenty of information out there now that 
winning does not directly correlate to stronger marketed brands. Sure. We know that. We done know that. Yeah. We've sure. been on that. And yeah. we, we need to stop equating better teams to better franchises, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, even even in this space, we the, like esports has learned this years ago. Even in Overwatch, you look at Houston season one, fan favorite team. I'm sure they did very well for themselves in terms of the economics. You hear that Toronto is is killing it in terms of the merch game. Not a team that just, you know, racks in the wins. Let's be honest. Let's be frank, right? Wins do not equal money necessarily. They're not correlative in that that there's, there's let's say there's not a strong correlation, right? This is this we, we have to kind of divide that up in terms of what you, the, the community sets the expectation for this team and what the actual expectation is. Some of these do not, you know, are, are not marriages, you know, built to last in that way. Winning games hasn't hasn't increased the jersey sales that I think traditional sports kind of traditionally yeah. sees. Um, you know, like there's there's definitely that aspect of, you know, you have a team and this is a little bit of a data reference, but you have like, you know, the the mid 2000s New York Yankees where, you know, anybody who comes to the United States and you're going to buy something that's baseball paraphernalia, you're getting New York Yankees stuff in most cases. Sure. And they were winning for a few of those years. Uh and there was there's a high correlation to that, but there's also just like the Yankees are America's baseball team. And right now we don't have that strong correlation in the Overwatch League. And so it's on brands to build brands while build while they build their teams. Yep. And part of how you can do that and do both is by investing in players that can help you do both. Can can kind of not only do both, but bridge you the gap if you're if you're really no, looking at it. No, if you cynically. win, you do not build a brand. That's just what we talked about. <laughs> there are teams who are winning in this in this game who don't have very strong brands, or at least mm -hmm. don't have strong brands in parts of the world. Uh, Guangzhou Charge, I think, are a great example of a team where I don't know how they're doing overseas, but here in the United States, you know, they they won quite a bit. They didn't do, they're not doing that great as far as bringing that money in. I think the Paris Eternal are another great example of a team that is underperforming based on their results versus their sure. actual effectiveness as a brand. So, right. uh, yeah, I'm, I, the thing is, I'm wondering how, how much uh, Guangzhou invested and what the, what the, you know, income outcome is. It's always hard to see. Because I think um, very often, like some of these players, you don't actually think uh, what, like, oh, for sure. Yeah. It, they it, overestimate it what they're making. 100%. Right. Yeah. But yeah, um, generally, like, I agree that they are pretty weak brands. I would, I would, for instance, ever since level 99 stopped producing uh, the, the front side of, no, not uh, Vancouver. Um, ah. I feel like, especially also with the other uh, Vancouver, like with Runaway Gone. Mm hmm. It's not really it's anything excited. Pretty bad. Anything to become excited about with that team. Right? I think I saw their the team is on cups at some point. They their their favorite uh, anime is uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure or something. That's yeah. I don't know. And 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 that's just being very uncharitable to that org. Um, but it kind of makes the point. You know, it, it's not somebody who you think spent a ton of money 
to, to really get into this league. Um, I've saw I've seen a couple names float around in chat that I definitely think make sense with some of the other comments that I've heard. Um, that some of you know the the, the Canadian teams have have looked at. I wouldn't be surprised if they you know favored Canadian talent over um, you know non Canadian talent. Makes sense again to that brand and, and marketing's perspective. Um, but but in general. I think there are teams that need to reevaluate their their vision for the future or or just actually have one because it doesn't seem like we have a ton of that across the league. I think there are very clear teams that have that in mind um, and some that just seem to fly by the seat of their pants week in, week out. Yeah. We're not going to go on this anymore because it's going to take up the whole time and right. Chad, <laughs> you're making me angry. So... <laughs> Uh, Shall we travel to Washington? Let's go to the Washington Justice. Let's go. Joe, I'm going to let you just kind of take this one. So, Mr. Old Man Yiska, I think you've got a a little reporting report coming out talking about uh, some some new additions and some uh, departures. Care to to share? Right. So, according to our sources, Ria, Bebe, and Closer were signed to um, the Washington Justice. Um, also kind of fits the profile that they've recently lost. Um, I will say maybe some unfortunate timing. It, like, I, I didn't know they would be releasing those players today. Um, ah. we Like, our report was scheduled for today, so... Um, gotcha. Um, but yeah, in, in general... Um, I was interested in seeing how people receive that because once again, I've received really different feedback about some of those players. Mm -hmm. And while I generally agree that they of course aren't holding the level with their recent signing that, that they started the off season with, with, because I think there's a definitive down, step down from Mac and DK in the quality. Yeah. I also think we're maybe over criticizing them for those moves. So what I will say is I talked to people about closer. Some of them weren't super high. Others uh, trialed him and were actually um, kind of surprised what he was able to uh, bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, it also kind of makes sense. I, like already in season one, he was clearly the better mechanical player over us. Um, that pro- was probably something that they that wasn't necessarily needed um, for that uh, team at the time. And then he was on the fuel for two seasons. Finn, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so closer is a question mark. Uh, I also don't really know what to believe. Bebe had a reputation before season three start that he was actually popping off in preseason scrims. He was one of the guys that looked really good um, in that particular meta. And then, of course, I will totally agree that doesn't mean much if you can't bring it over the season. 100%. And I will say um, that he underperformed under that reputation uh, pretty considerably, I would say, even though the spark kind of were on a, on a different run this season as well in comparison mm-hmm. to the uh, second season performance. Rhea... I was surprised to find that a lot of people are actually pretty hyped about him. Um, like generally considered um, one of the uh, like a good pickup. 
I think that was like the caveat for a lot of people. Keep in mind that uh, he, he's taken the spot for Janu. Um, so here, that, that's a little uh, interesting how that uh, came to be. Um, once again, I don't have a definitive um, evaluation yet. Also because I think they're minutiae and like little little details about the next season that will majorly determine how good specific players are. And mm-hmm. one of the ones is can you play through an entire season? Um, if, if you don't have a backup, for instance, um, okay. can you cover the entire champion pool that may be required from you? Can you stem the workload that is probably going to come down on you? Um, and I think, and I don't want to like, don't, don't nail me on this. It's, it's information that I saw in a Reddit comment and I recall the story. I'm not sure. Um, but I think Rhea was injured as well. Uh, yeah, I think he had wrist issues if memory serves me. Right. So like playing the entire season out, uh, by yourself doesn't exactly help with that. So We'll see how that goes. Of course, we also don't know if they're done. Um, even though I will say, I'm not sure if, if you double up, let's say you want an eight-man roster this season. Okay. I don't think OT is the, the role you double up no. on. It's flex the, uh, support that you probably double, double up on, unless you have a very me- mechanically skilled main support, I think. Yeah. And it's probably the DPS roles that you would also want uh, another player, an extra player uh, in there. So yep. it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how teams um, allocate their specific resources. Also, they, they have idiosyncratic issues depending on the type of roster that you have. I.e., like, if I have profit, maybe, then maybe I need I have a lesser need for an extra DPS player than other teams do, because sure. like I have someone that covers a lot of roles. If I have a main tank that has demonstrated to be able to play through the entire season at a respectable level, mm-hmm. then that is also a role I don't need to double up on, and and so on and so forth. Right. So that'd be an interesting question to ask. Uh... I think the coaches across the league in general, if there was, if you only could have eight players, um, there was a, a, a ceiling to how many players you could have. At which roles would you add the depth? Would it be DPS? Would we be prescribing the correct, you know, depth right. in the right places? Is there, you know, like you're saying, is there, you know, niche cases where you can add depth elsewhere because you have, you know, certain star players at certain roles or you expect the meta to go a certain way? Is there kind of a, a meta strategy to it? Um, that, that would uh, it'd be kind of an interesting one. I'll also um, straight up tell you a major determinant factor, and I think we just take that for granted, and maybe, maybe I'm the only one skeptical about this, um, but I don't know if the outcome of what we experience with hero pools necessarily indicates, like, was so highly positive that it needs to be kept around for the next season. But if it is kept around for the next season, then you have the requirements of playing hero pools with an eight-man roster where 
you probably can't foresee whatever like it is not inherent in the game that these mm -hmm. particular roles need a double up like right. it's not inherent in the game that we uh, need two flex supports in some uh, some metas mm -hmm. for all we know there could be meta states where you actually need two main tanks or whatever sure or you don't um, need any main tanks like weird stuff like ryan and winston would sure. never happen but like there you have the oh, archetypical main tank heroes uh, that should be played by the main tank, rarely played by someone else uh, than the main tank. I mean, um, is it that far-fetched to say that, that something like that would never happen when playoffs of last year was literally zero main tanks being played right. within the top four? And then at the start of the year, if, again, it's been a funky year, forgive me if I, if I misremember mm. this, but Ryan Arisa was being played. All right. So it's it's I, I I think everything's on the table. You could have double main supports or double traditional yeah. main supports. You could have double I mean, hit scan. You could have double projectile. I think that's probably the one meta that we've yeah. yet to see, or at least a lot of. But yeah, it could be anything, really. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, like, bless the teams that have to make that decision. Um. It's also why I think that there might be a second wave. We'll see. Uh, there's, there's so many unknown factors at this point mm -hmm. that it's like I'm, I'm going to attempt to have a preseason power, pre preseason power rankings uh, around Christmas. I'll tell you, I won't be nailed to those uh, evaluations. It's more like yes, a. Yes, you will. I'm no, sure people will. I'm, it's, it's more like <laughs> I will, a. I will literally um, post them on every show. For the 2021. This season. is what Yes, Yes, I'd hold him accountable. Yep. Well, just every time you speak, <laughs> instead of having where the chat window is, where you are um, over there on the left hand side, it's just going to be your pre preseason power rankings. So every time you speak. Yeah, you're, you're going to get a pre preseason power ranking and then you're going to get a, a post preseason power rankings. And then please only judge me by the letter. I think the first one is more an evaluation of how I right. see the teams played the offseason. I think, um, yeah, I think there are the ways you can that format that, that it's very understandable that these are, you know, not set in stone. Right. Um, one thing I did kind of want to kind of pin you on was the, the idea that Washington wasn't following the same direction of signing two of the best players in the game. Um, is that fair to say? Is that is that kind of a disingenuous take that you signed the hottest rookie main tank and potential MVP candidate and not try to follow that. Like, that's got to be hard, right? Like, you have to admit that. It is hard, but there is also a team that signed Hanbin and Sparkle, then signed Fearless. <laughs> True. And right. they have then that dirty, dirty fuel money. Right. You yeah. think Washington's running around with uh, sick tennis money? I don't know, but they're like... <laughs> no, I, I mean, we can't... Take we, it's not a bad I role to the arguably sure. hardest hard carry that we've seen in Overwatch League yet is not a bad uh, mm -hmm. resource to splooch on. So we'll see like how the resource allocation works out for them. Um, sure. It's, it's all new once again for us. And the beauty is that we can, with the power of hindsight, sit, sit here and go like next September go, oh my God, we saw that coming from yeah. a mile away. What did you do, dude? Yeah. yeah. And then or just look. You know, like you have egg on your face, like us with Paris or, or specifically me with Paris. Um, I, 
I agree. I think there's there's a lot of room to be surprised. There's I think there's a lot of stock that's down on a lot of these former Spark players because they did not have a great season last last year, right? Like I think people are really down on Bebe. People are you know I I've been a criticizer or a criticizer um, of closer, but I've heard you know good things just ends up on the Dallas Fuel. It's it's one of those. You know, maybe these are the gems from these kind of broken teams coalescing on what looks to be a, a promising team at the very least, right? Is this a team that is confidently within that top 10 brawl that, you know, per last show, could anybody could win the league? Is this a team in your summation that could win the league? I think that Delta is three to eight. I tend to agree. Yeah. So would they could could they win the league? Nope. <laughs> yeah, low probability. Then again, dude, they I'm could have won the league last year. <laughs> this is how bad Overwatch sometimes is, dude. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Actually, I think they just made the league winning play. Oh. No, no, no! Don't get trolled. Stop. No, 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 no. no. Here's here's the thing though. Jokes aside, because this is a joke. Yeah, this is a meme okay. account, guys. But it's a meme account, so settle down. But <laughs> All right. I, like the, I thought uh, you, they got you. My Discord bot did pick up that the Florida Mayhem are parting with Chris and that they are going to a team in NA because they said that we look forward to playing against you. So, um, and then oh, yeah. the, the Mayhem promptly deleted it. So, huh. right. just saying. Weird. Just saying. Uh, that's, it's always. That's strange. Would the I social media manager man? No. Maybe. I mean, I would. I mean, that's some tinfoil hat stuff that I'm not about to get into. But, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I will Regardless. say I've 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 talked to coaches this season where I'll t I told them where their players are going, and they were kind of confused because they had something different. So I, I think uh, very often uh, staff is not really, unless they are the sure. people handling the contracts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we have them three to eight. I tend to agree with that. Um, for the f departing players, John Stitch, aim God. Do you think they land anywhere? Obviously, Stitch John coming has off a good change chance. So have you talked to anybody about Janu? I feel like there is some like mixed. He, he's another one of those cases that is kind of a mixed bag. Is this like a, a positive player across the board that you've heard from? Or, you know, is that prescription for my end? Right. Thing is, Janu kind of makes sense for them because Janu doesn't have a, like one of his weaknesses is that he doesn't have a super good Zarya. And that doesn't matter if you have DK in your team unless there's some meta shenanigans going on, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I think Janu is a player that should be finding work in the Overwatch League. Uh, I think also an interesting thing for this was to see like the fall from Grace from this guy's a top three main tank, everyone acknowledges it, to... Yeah. Now we're saying Rhea is an upgrade, and which I saw as a as a feedback of this move. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, the um, the idea is there. 
it's of course we also always have to consider uh economical reasons um and we'll we'll see like there's still a, a bunch of teams that where he could be going and mm-hmm. um yeah looking forward to that because i don't think uh, the league sh- should be rid of janu or that's uh, wrong phrasing it should the league would l- likely lose by not having janu we are at a point, though, and this is... Let's circle back to McGravy here. No, just kidding. Uh, but we are at a point here, though, where there are a lot... There's a lot of really good competition for a lot of roles. Right. And yeah. there are going to be, I think, more than any other season, players who probably, we feel, deserve a spot on a roster who actually yeah. don't end up on a roster. Yeah. Nope. Which is both a good problem to have t- short-term, but long-term, you want to extend, expand that league out because it's just free money yeah i think i i hope that this season there aren't too many people super disenfranchised without getting a spot um i i tend to side with yiska and saying that there probably will be some mid-season moves and this is probably one of the 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 higher chances or higher um likelihoods that 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 this season has an increase in that um, whether or not it's like another wave where everybody's just kind of making moves or if it's just specific teams making moves throughout the season um, or throughout the, you know, trade window. Um, that's, you know, remains to be seen. Um, closing thoughts on Spark or not Spark, but the Justice. Um, I like Bebe. Basically, I'd love spark, though, right? Kind of feels <laughs> like it with Supreme coming in, right? Um, I th- There's a part of me, my, my heart wants an X6 reunion. My, my heart wants Supreme to, you know, really toss around the bag and continue to, to bring in former X6 players. You know, if you're looking for some old man strength, Godsby's probably not going to be I think super. That's that shipped, right? You get Jerry, you get Decay, you don't need You know, maybe Godsby. you trade Jerry to Spark, you know? Yeah. You get Godsby, you know, get the boys back together. But that's what my heart says. My brain doesn't make sense, right? Um, I've I've always been a big... A supporter of Rhea, I think when he joined X6 in place of Choi, I think it did not. It, if you remove the nameplates, it didn't seem all that different. Um, granted, that's years ago at this point. Um, and obviously, his performance on the Spark wasn't great, but the Spark's performance in general wasn't great. So it's, I, I really do have a lot of stock in this Justice Squad thus far. I think this is going to be a very promising team. I think 3D, it's a, a good spot. To N- NYXL, I think is uh, I think it's time to have the funeral. Oh man! I think it's time to get real sad, boys. It is yes, a sad I, time. Supreme wasn't an X six. I think it's just the the collection of players that were there. Just that's where my heart leads. But regardless, um, yes, let's talk about the NYXL here, and this is a big one. We've been talking about NYXL for the last couple of shows because we talked, and we're not going to speak uh, uh, too much more on it today because I feel like I've you know, rang that bell a few too many times, but the New York Excelsior have uh, essentially uh, gutted uh, the, a lot of the players that we kind of discussed over the past couple of days. Sabiolbi, gone. Libero and Animo, gone. Uh, Jonak, it appears for now, is, is still there. Uh, hmm. but we don't, we don't actually know for sure because he was on a team option and I don't believe that we have an official announcement that that team option has been exercised, Yeah, but we also don't have an LFT. 
So, uh, first of all, I am now out of four jerseys uh, with player names on them. They're <laughs> all out of date now, so boo. But uh, this is interesting. Assuming Jonak stays, I honestly, I think that we discussed this exact scenario in which I said I think you keep either uh, Jonak or uh, Sabioli uh, just to anchor down like that fan base. So if they do that, I think that makes a ton of sense just purely on the non-like player side. On the player side, we're almost, we're basically at blank slate at this point. Yeah. Right. If Jonak stays one, one player returns. If Jonak stays, otherwise it might be an entirely brand new team in 2021. Yep. It's, it's a gamble. It's it's a sad it's a sad day. Um it's sad to see, you know, a legend of the game like Sabiel be, you know, with without a team and his future kind of up in, in jeopardy. He's already talked about uh you know maybe hanging it up for good in the past. I you know, it's a sobering thought to kind of return to that. Obviously he hasn't said anything publicly, so I won't, you know won't make any claims but it's you know it's a weird time not a ton of roster spots going around we've already kind of hinted at throughout the show that you know there there might be talent left on the table i i I do wonder if maybe he's one of those talents that are left on the table um libero it's been what a what a ride for this kid that you know should have at least in all prescriptive measure of of how good we all thought he was never really got the the play time to showcase it um on mass or, or got the play time that i think um he deserved um i think he'll probably land on his feet um and i've been a pretty big uh anti fan of onomo for a long time so i'm not mad at that that's fair how you feeling yiska yeah like Happy to have witnessed uh, that core in uh, season one. Um, I'm not going to lie; <laughs> like I, 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 uh, I wrote like a news. It it popped during during work, and then I couldn't write just the news on them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I had some I had some happy tears thinking about that roster. Yeah. I think a lot of us, like if if you weren't part of Overwatch. Um, prior to Overwatch League, I think the things that you can fall in love is with is stage one, season one finals against London. Um, oh, the, yeah. sh- the shattering and just seeing how much it meant to these guys and mm-hmm. seeing um, also listening to the the player interviews later on with Pine. Um. And then following their journey, like they were truly, truly excellent in the first season. And all they needed to really needed was like a good meta and two more weeks. And this team would have been yep. just like the shock. Well, how we should think of the shock uh, in the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they brought in a lot of excitement and also brought out qualities about overwatch that um make it feel like it's it it means something right the the 
sacrifices that these guys made. Mm. Um, the the values that they portrayed of unity, of even standing together when things look hopeless. Um, I I, I want to maybe um, take Sebiolbi there and uh, elevate him a bit, little bit in his leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I think if this was going to be it, then he has a great career to look onto. I think he should be held in people's um, and players' hearts with the same fondness that a Ruji Hong uh, currently commands. Um, I think the same... I, I, I think the other players probably are more likely to have a future um, than Sebiobi at this point, even though I still think he's probably the second best tracer in the Asian region that has had a For sure. big problem with having these. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like that, it, it made me happy to have witnessed that. Of course, there's also some sadness because, um, it's never going to be the same again. No, it just isn't. And, and that's the, the beauty of sports, you know, you, you, you get attached, you get to, uh, appreciate and, and, you know, lay marvel to. You know, uh, a great, and I don't know that we'll ever see anybody like SBB and Apex on the Tracer and on the Roadhog and, you know, having that kind of commanding leadership that, you know, you, former players that have worked with him, the coaching staff has always talked about, you know, this is the captain and, and they've, they've marketed that extremely well. Um, and it's not even just a marketing thing. It, it really does feel genuine. It does feel real when it, when the players say that. That's the best marketing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. When, when you have these moments, um, and I'm going to completely miss the mark on this, I believe it was, I don't think it was last year, I think it was the 2019 season, you know, with him trying to console Flower on stage, you know, holding his hand, you know, you know trying to mentally bring him back and, and try to focus him up. Th that's, that's one of those moments that I think probably will be one of the most touching moments. Um, I'd say in esports, I think that that really goes to show who these people are. Um, not in some sort of weird prescriptive like narrative analysis way, but it, it was a real glimpse into like that dynamic between that team. Um, for the future of Sabiolbi, I, I think I'd love to see him, and I think it would be a, a fantastic move. I think he has a a knack for leadership. Um, any team that is looking for a coach and contenders or, or even the overwatch league as, as an assistant coach, I, I think the, that, that, that door's always open. Um, I, I genuinely believe that obviously never spoken um, to him or, or around him, but from everything that I see um, and, and my gut, I, I think that he has a future if he so chose to, to move in that path. Um, it, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's a sad one. It's a, it's a legend that we will remember five years down the road very fondly. Um, I'm looking forward to the, the future matches and the, the show matches when we get to see Lunatic High and LW Blue, you know, battle it out, you know, as, as old men. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad. Hopefully, you know, he finds, finds some sort of home, finds, finds, finds some happiness in, in his future endeavors. I was talking oh, oh. With, um, so, right. with Trevor May. Um, mm. 
baseball player for the Minnesota Twins and super active in gaming and esports. And we were talking about kind of like Hall of Fame for Overwatch League and uh, actually brought up Sabiobi and he isn't like he isn't like an avid Overwatch League roster. Mm-hmm. So like even Sabiobi is like, yeah, I know of Sabiobi, but he's not like there to be like, oh, yeah, he was really great in this and this and this. Right. Um, but we're just kind of kind of having a conversation about Hall of Famers and, you know, he, he kind of brought up, he goes, Sabiobi kind of reminded me of, um, he goes, I, I, I told him, I said, Sabiobi reminds me of like Derek Jeter, uh, where, you know, Derek Jeter is not the best shortstop in the world. He was a, he was a really solid shortstop. Mm. Uh, but if there is any single person who doubts like what. Derek Jeter did for the game of baseball. They're not real baseball fans. And uh, Sabi Olby like really kind of resonates for me with that in the sense that yep. there is just kind of this, this player that very rarely does a player is a player good enough at the game, but is also be able, able to transcend beyond the game um, in a way that can then circle back into, you know, kind of having that last lasting impact. And I think Sabi Olby is one of the, you know, when, when Katie and I went to BlizzCon and we went to World Cups and I think that there was show matches and stuff too and stuff, there was mm-hmm. there was two players who Katie would uh, talk about nonstop and one of those was Sabi Olby. And, oh. uh, it, and it wasn't because I had talked about Sabi Olby a bunch of times or that um, I told her to watch Sabi Olby or that Sabi Olby was my p- favorite player. It was just like she naturally gravitated to loving Sabi Olby based on right. how he played the game, how he came out on the stage, uh, how he, I think he might've conducted like an interview or we saw some like highlights or stuff and boom, that was all she mm. needed. And that's a really kind of, uh, it's, it's, you know, G Turian <laughs> in, in how like that effect that he had. And so, you know, it's a really big bummer to lose. I feel like they might've like the, I I'm, I feel like they might have pulled the trigger one season too early. I feel like he could have had one more good leading season in him. But what I will, uh, that's just me. Sorry. What I will say about Sebi Obi is, imagine telling someone about Sebi Obi. That's a guy that lacks front teeth and has a laugh about it. That pours water out on his, um, on his mouse pad and has to wipe his hand because either it's a tick or he has some uh, medical condition. Um, he has... He, he always talks about his wife and being married. It's true. And then explain to that person that this guy really generally isn't considered goofy. He has goofy elements, mm-hmm. but he is graceful in all of it somehow like that that's a that's a male role model in how he uh portrays himself just like someone that values whatever he like just like carries out what's what he really values and is like seems to be fully committed to it Mm -hmm. and i will also say the the entire roster their committance to a passive play style mm. also has a sense of grace. Because I think, like, in my mind, it's, it's like a, a game theoretical inherent um, 
thing in almost everything we could talk about yeah. that unskilled or skilled aggression is generally easier to pull off than defensive maneuvers. Yep. If you barge in first, first strike, it's a lot harder to defend against that when you don't know what's coming. That, that goes to all parts of life, th through genetics, through, through behavior, um, through who leads, through all of it. Mm -hmm. And for them to have chosen a passive playstyle and to still be successful with it because they, they understood the dance to the level that they did when they were at their greatest is a game theoretical achievement that I don't think we will see to that degree in a long time unless the game fundamentally changes towards um, favoring it. I think the idea of perfect Overwatch that they had during season one might have sounded stupid at the time because they didn't get the dub. But the beauty of that idea and the the idolization of that had su like brought such a cool flavor to the game mm -hmm. that I don't think we we saw over the uh, the following seasons, and it also therefore makes sense that when you when you are so skillfully passive mm. that you're going to lose the arms race in ever changing metas. It is unfortunately under hero pools. I don't think that's a thing that ever, ever will be achieved. In order to play passive, you need to understand the full range of the attack vector. That's unachievable in our system. So I will also hold them in regard for what they wanted to, what they did for the game of Overwatch and how at times beautifully they played it. Like if you, if you check the energy, of all the great teams we had in Overwatch, then it's like San Francisco Shock is just like, you know, this mega, and I don't want to say, like it's a high skill aggressive team <clears throat> that takes fights, especially like this season, that and pops ultimates and believes that they can win it, right? If you look at Vancouver Titans, that was a team almost with chaotic energy that were just so amazing at individually and also just could pull it off from the brink repeatedly um, just by the, by the ideas that they shared and the synergy that they had built and the uh, resistance that this team had built up from the repeated, uh, repeated failure that they had to go through. NYXL is the team that took a break from Apex Season 4, its core, in order to prepare for what was to come. And then executed that against um, like London that were like complete skill beasts, were dominant throughout the mid-season in, in season one, and um, then couldn't do it during a meta change, which makes perfect sense, all, all things mm -hmm. considered, right? So yeah, I will miss the, the play style and the energy that these players brought to the strategical sphere of the Overwatch League as well, because I don't think we will see it again. No, and it's it's sad that we've we've devised some sort of weird handicap for ourselves um, that it makes it very difficult to have stylized teams because there are very few 
teams with such a very apparent and obvious style. I think when we talk about haha funny teams like the Chengdu Hunters, these these stylized, you know, very character driven teams and it's not to say that new york was a character or hero driven team but they were like you knew what you were getting and it was very different it was something that you could really dive into and talk about and look at these matchups and i think that's the beauty of you know you know like mma or maybe boxing is is these styles make the matches they make the fights uh i'd love to see that explored more in overwatch and we kind of have a a hindrance to that with hero pools i think you alluded to that uh beautifully um and i think to the, I guess, what, what will we call them? The 2017 to 2020 NYXL or 2019 NYXL. Um, they should be talked about in the same vein as this very stylized team and, and should be applauded in that way. Um, and I think your, your, your little prose on Sabiolbi was, was beautiful. Um, and one sentence that kind of really stuck out to me or, or the, 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 the crystallization of it. Um, Sabiolbi can't help but be himself. And I think that's something that you can really look at and and respect and 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 applaud. So, yeah, I I I'm, I'm it's a bittersweet day for NYXL. I think it's it's a attempt at uh, to shed the the style of this passive play style. Um, it's unfortunately at the cost of some some veterans and legends. And um, yeah, we'll have to see what 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 else 2020 has in store for us as we close also, up the year. Also, I think. The logical transition from here out out is to say, like, embrace the new beginning. Mm-hmm. I will say I don't expect the new roster to do as well as the NYXL did over yeah. the last three seasons. They need to rebuild that stuff uh, from from scratch once again. I think they have some great pieces overall um, that they're going to bring in. Uh, one when I reported on this feather. Um, was contested is a really really good um, DPS player there. Um, um, sorry, I so I I think I kind of slightly disagree. I don't think that the, I mean I don't think they have to do as well as NYXL has. They went thirteen and eighth. Mm-hmm. They hit seventh. They went two rounds deep in playoffs, if I remember correctly. Um, I can't remember if they yeah. if they did or didn't. But so you know they went a little bit deeper and like sure. But I don't think that this is a team that you can build back and not at least have a really good chance at being top 10. Um, I think that, yeah. uh, I think that it, when it comes to building, when it comes to just kind of building brands in general, it's, it's an economy. Marketing is an economy. It's about making deposits and it's about making withdrawals based on whatever you need to do to grow that brand long term. You create deposits by winning, signing great players, putting out great content, um, making great merch, having sales, whatever. You make withdrawals when you get rid of those players. You lose. You um, make whatever sort of uh, mistakes, personal mistakes that you know kind of get brought into the public eye. You make those types of withdrawals from your overall kind of brand loyalty, uh, brand fandom, whatever else you want to put that in. By largely gutting this team, they're making a huge withdrawal right now. And I think NYXL is one of the few teams that can put up with it. Uh, But they Mm. need to make some pretty hefty deposits here. And looking at some of the players, 
uh, still available. I don't know if they're able to just like, you know, I like, I don't think that you can just do like a, a standing ovation roster here. And I'm just trying to look like, I mean, like, let's see, like, unless they went like DM rascal, Sato fury, violet slime, <laughs> just like, you know, done like that, that would be maybe enough to be like, well, you know, holy shit, they're just ready to go to the next thing. Um, there's, they're going to have to make some big signings here and they're going to have to win a little bit. Otherwise you put your brand two steps back, uh, from where mm -hmm. you were, Agreed, I would say yeah. two, like, you know, a year and a half to two years ago. Yeah. So and one safe thing that, you know, is just broke is that, you know, Jonak is, uh, going to be staying with the NYXL for the right. 2021 season. So this literally you know, broke two minutes ago. So yeah. <laughs> I wasn't intentionally yeah. ignoring that. And um, I, I will say that wasn't a given it this off season either. Um, so yeah. So that they secured him is, is a plus for them. That's, I, that's, I think that's a big plus. And I think, again, that's one of the, the players that you need to keep on there because there is still now like, okay, I can still hold on. I can still be a fan of NYXL. Mm -hmm. Still love Jonak. You still kept your MVP. There is still that aspect of it. I don't think that the withdrawals are nearly as much, but even still, you're still still talking about Sabi will be gone. You're still talking about that original season one, season two NYXL that you know people really grew fond fondly of. And so I think that they do need to try. I mean, it, it, it's an it's an oversimplistic thing to say. They need to try to build a roster to win, um, because obviously every team is trying to do that within their means. But this is a team that. I don't know if they can make this drastic of a change and not finish top half of the league. Like, I, I feel like that would be, I it's going like, to be competitive. I feel like that's the uh, problem. Tough. It is going to be I'll, competitive. It is going to be tough, but I, I think that if that is the goal NYXL should have, if they don't want to end up withdrawing more than they deposit in this next season. And that's, that's, my lens there. Right. I'm not saying that they're sure. a done brand Agreed, or yeah. that you know they suck or they're a bunch of idiots. Like I'm not saying that there's any of that. I'm just saying that I think that the brand overall takes a step back this season if they don't make some big signings and end up in the top ten. I I will say what I like about the New York's organization, despite their very clean like social media and branding and whatnot, is also that they are one of the non-stagnant teams where I think it's very easy for them to just ride this out. Like they have, they could have re-signed all these I, guys. Maybe it would have been like pretty expensive. Okay. Um, I, I hate to interrupt you for a second, but I do just want to yeah. thank you. Moth just came into the chat and, uh, and hosted us. So, uh, rated us. Oh, nice. So thanks Sweet. Moth. Appreciate it, man. We're, uh, excited for you in 2021, dude. Yeah. Do us proud. Like, um, Anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, okay, so we were at, um, yeah, NYXL is a brand that mm. usually doesn't stick to ideas that they don't believe in anymore. So if you remember back the, the problems that they had with the XL2 roster, instead of just like throwing it in and just like saying, okay, let's phone it in, they okay. try to find a new approach. And with the tri-state idea, idea that 
got a lot of flack in the beginning. I think we yeah. misinterpreted how that narrative broke loose. loose. Mm -hmm. And I also think um, we, we need to wait in order for uh, this team to be evaluated. I know the New York fans rightfully have high standards and as they should have. As they are. Um, but it would also not be fair towards the new players if they if they had to fight against the storm and step into these gigantic footsteps that the other others have left. Because I will tell you, there will be names where when that guy is announced, you will go who? Yeah, you're gonna roll your eyes, hundred percent. But I, 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 I appreciate where that's coming from, and I agree that like we shouldn't prescribe them too much. But like, let's face facts here. Let's be frank. It's kind of inevitable that you're going to be stepping in the shoes of legends of the game. If you let's replace Tom Brady on yeah. the New England Patriots, it doesn't matter it's if it's fair yeah. for you yeah. to be compared as to having to step into his shoes. You mm -hmm. are filling those shoes. And so yep. while, yes, I agree that we should extend that grace and extend that like self-knowledge of the fact that, hey, this is a brand new team. It doesn't make logical sense to uh, apply the same logical rules to this squad mm -hmm. that we had to, you know, the former LW Blue squad previously. It's going to happen anyway. Yep. Uh, especially yep, as yep. one of, you know, I would say three teams who have, uh, I think, best built their overall brand to success. And to be fair, that's not to say that they won't exceed expectations. You know, obviously, Chad coming in with some, some you know, spot on points. A lot of people came in and was like, on to who? You know, looking at season one, for those who weren't in the know in the Korean scene, I think people gave a side eye to Jonak. Like, who's this guy? Like, yeah, he was supposed to play on LW Blue and Apex season four, but. We never really got to see him. Who's this? Like, we don't know this guy. And look where he ended up now. Like, there are there are some rookies that come in that you might not be necessarily familiar with, but are very talented. And it sounds like Feather is possibly one of those players with how many looks he got in the offseason with multiple teams. I will say, I I I, I do want to stem that tide as much as you can, as much as I think it's inevitable that you know this new NYXL team is probably going to be. Um, stepping in giant footholds. We do have to try and view them through a new NYXL 2.0 lens and, and give them that benefit of the doubt. Um, and, and from the org's perspective, I think they're doing a good thing. I, I really appreciate the, the messaging from Nugget coming out and talking directly to the community. I think and I hope they continue to do that because like you're saying with with playing within John's um, metaphor here with withdrawing and depositing, I think they they hopefully I'm getting this right. I think they withdrew a lot. Yes, this was a big withdraw. Big. We withdraw. have to start to apply and, and build that back up because I, I, I've I, I've surfed the Reddit. I, I've broken the, the streak and, and I've I've looked at Reddit for a few glances today and it it's a sad day for rain. It's a. It, it, it's just kind of sad in general. If you're an NYXL fan, if you're an Overwatch fan, it, it's depressing to see these players without a home right now. And um, this, so they have to work at that, you know, depositing that back in. 
this is why I wish Overwatch League teams and the Overwatch League in general, it may not be a team issue. It may just be like a, a league mm. organization issue. I would love to see a lot more transitional uh, teams versus... Yep. All right, this year, you're, it's kind of like, you know, in high school sports where, like, a, a class graduates and there were eight of the ten starters, yep. and so you're back down to, like, two people, and it's just new people every year. Yep. Uh, professional sports, you kind of need or you want to retain a little bit of that familiarity. You want a nice, steady churn. You want people to see people come up into an organization, go in, play that, but bye, Yiska play that full uh the the cams will hopefully uh fix themselves shortly guys sorry uh the, the, you know they kind of come up into that starting role and then they play through until their time is done and they go through mm -hmm. but through that whole time you have these new players and yep. a big part of that i think we were hoping to see out of like two-way players and academy teams should mm -hmm. like should really feed that and it feels like it, it's a system designed to give you that so we don't see a team that is like the NYXL where you look at it and you go, there's one person here I recognize. There's one person here whose jersey um, I could have bought last year and it still be relevant. Yep. Uh, so, you know, like it's, it's a bummer. Um, it's, it's, and to it's your a point, hefty withdrawal. Yes, it's, it's a big withdrawal, 100%. And to your point, we have the, the notion there are talks about teams reinvesting back into tier two and it makes financial sense spoke with yeah not too long ago is committed to that is steadfast wasn't even pressing the, the question didn't necessarily land on tier two but he brought it there so it made it made me feel like he was really looking at it on top of that we're hearing you know stirrings that teams are you know looking at a return in the near future with these new you know contract rules and whatnot so we're setting ourselves up for success in that area which is fantastic. Um, I, I think, again, if you have any questions on what John's saying or, you know, you, you, you wonder if that could be a thing that esports is like mature enough to do, there are teams, maybe not within our space, but in other spaces that are kind of paving that way. And I look at Cloud9 in their League of Legends squad. I look at bringing Rain over up from their academy team, if I'm getting that right. Hopefully I am. Um, because it's a it's a it's kind of a nice story and, and really supports what John's saying that you can have transition, you can have a plan for the future. We need to kind of bring that mentality to Overwatch because it, it is a space to allow it. You, you know, there isn't a giant relegation. You you have the safety to make a plan especially, for the future and execute on it, especially on good teams. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's one thing when you're a bad team, you go two and twenty, and right. so. You got everything. You get everybody out. Like that can actually be a withdrawal or a, a deposit in a lot of cases. Yeah. But when you have a team like NYXL that is a good team that has had good experience, like has, um, has had good results. You want to build on that. You want to roll. You want to snowball that, mm. right? You don't want to stop the snowball. And they're kind of in a spot where they're looking like they might be, you know, stopping the snowball and it might end up working out for them. They might do better than ever. They 100%. might win the league. We don't know. Yep. But, um, on at face value today, what that says is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're stopping. We're getting off the train. We're going on something else. Shifting a different gears. direction. And it's kind of weird when that train is whatever, collecting gold as you're going or something. I don't know how to fit yeah. that metaphor. Um, 
yeah anyways it's a very you know known train it's a very successful train you know you know what you're getting from that train um yeah i i'd like to see overwatch stop getting in its own way and i and i hope that this is a concerted effort from all branches of you know the proverbial overwatch government to kind of come together and allow teams the freedom to be able to plan for the future and not uh get thrown a, a, a be, loop let's say to be honest I, I don't think it's totally on overwatch league either like professional no. sports league takes decades to put something like that together 100 we have and the framework so you'd expect it to go faster but then you also have esports um you have esports careers specifically as a player being mm. significantly shorter at least as it exists now, you're talking, you know, six years if you're, you know, get right in at 18 in Overwatch League and you're, you know, done by 24, 25. So there is definitely, I, I think, a lot of asterisks that you put put next to all that and that those are problems Agreed. that I don't think anybody, you know, even on paper, if we solve it, doesn't mean that it's actually solved in execution. Oh, not at all. Not uh, at all. I, I, I think... And I agree with you. I agree. There's a lot of asterisks there. The The notion that I'm trying to touch on is that we're not doing ourselves any favor on trying to improve that, trying to eliminate those asterisks as best as we can. It feels like we're adding to it. We're changing the game constantly, and that's not even just patches. Those, those are just like these overarching fundamental gameplay changes. Um, we're not doing ourselves favors, and hopefully everybody, the players, the orgs, the teams, Activision Blizzard gets on board and, and really gives them a chance to have a style to have characteristics to to really build themselves out and have a vision for the future because right now it, it feels difficult to be able to invest in that it does welcome back yiska sorry my internet's yeah, you're good it it sucks you're uh you're um in lockdown right now and yeah i mean that's the reason why yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we haven't faced something very similar. Like we had like a windstorm not so long ago, and, and power was up for a question, but didn't lose it. But yeah, the infrastructure here is definitely held up, which is kind of surprising. Wish we could say the same about Bay Area, California, because we've had like power outages <laughs> and like recycle, like uh, resetting the grid and stuff because we're all using Jeez. so much more electricity because we're all home <laughs> every day. Mm -hmm. uh, really good conversations today. Thanks, everybody who hung out. Um, hope you had a ton of fun. Um, big thanks again to Moth for the raid. Uh, Super hope, sweet. Hope some of you uh, Moth peeps have found a new place to, to come hang out and uh, chat about Overwatch League with us. Um, if you are brand new, this is the Tactical Crouch podcast. We uh, discuss uh, Overwatch League and competitive Overwatch twice every week on Mondays and Wednesdays right here. Um, and yeah, we have a lot of fun doing it. A uh, big thank you to our new patrons and they're both patron producers, Sir Girthalot and Bronze Bot Boohow. Thanks so much. Welcome back. Uh, and our patron producers are Refine Bean, Ferdino Pin, Battlecrab, Lotion, Rex Zane, Audio Compass, Kasha67, Shara Picasso, Nathan Your Misery, Hunter Tane, Fabled Steven, Roger B. Owen, Chris R three four 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 Horbjorn. I listened to the podcast whilst on the toilet and in the shower, thinking of Yiska Peace Camper Shrek two on DVD. Sir Girthalot and uh, Sir Girthalot and Bronze Bot Boohow. Thanks so much for supporting the show. And a big thank you to the brand new subs today of Sir Madams and Sam Foster 
as well as our resubs, Fire Lord Arkin, Butter Emails, Shumi26, Porkchop Sammy, Wellard OW. Uh, yeah, and again, Moth, thanks so much for the raid. Shields up. Appreciate you. If you like the show and want to support, subscribe right here. Go to patreon.com slash tacticalcrouch or leave us a five-star uh, iTunes review. If you've got an iPhone, just go to the podcast app. It's pre-downloaded on your phone. Type in Tactical Crouch. Leave a five-star review and a little message, and we'll shout you out on the next show. Um, other than that, let's do shout-outs for the week where people could find you. Yiska, what's up? Um, as always, at GG Recon, um, of course, we, we did the reports to the, uh, this week. I'm not 100% if well. have one more this week. As you guys know, I only report on um, signed contracts, so we'll see. Cool. Uh, Joe, what about you, man? Uh, yeah, you can find me on all the socials. You'll, uh, you know, my name somewhere. You'll, you'll figure it out. Um, uh, after the show, I think I'm doing some Valorant stuff. Looking at that for uh, the first strike qualifiers. Cool. And probably write some notes on, you know, uh, an NYXL piece. I think it's, uh, it's high time we revisit the old, uh, the old married man meta and uh, <laughs> give him a give him a nice send off yeah cool uh well as for me you can find me everywhere at kick tripod twitch uh twitter youtube.com slash kick tripod yt uh with shadowlands coming out next week i am going to be streaming quite a bit more hopefully i get my uh my new graphics card before then i'm like eighth in the queue at our local retailer now so uh and i was at 60th last friday so it's gone fast so hopefully we get it and we're upgraded by then uh but either way i am going to be streaming it i just don't know how uh how good a quality it's going to be and yeah other than that um Shows next week are going to be a little weird because we do have thanksgiving um we haven't totally decided on what that is going to look like same with um game nights but we are going to do a game night next week we are going to do at least one show next week uh so stay tuned on our twitter for that tactical underscore crouch and yeah i think that's it all right chat we're out of here thanks for being here we'll see you next time for tactical crouch